who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. Uh huh. And we're recording on a Saturday morning. Morning. For the first time in a while. And, um,. I'm considerably hungover for the first time in a while. And I'm considerably exhausted, but that's <sighs> nothing new. So, welcome. Welcome to my hell. <laughs> Alcohol does this thing now where it makes me, like, stuffy. Like, mm. I, I might be, like, a little bit allergic, but I'm just pressing that down. Yeah, you're pressing like, down that but I like it. So, um, so, yeah, if you hear me sniffling or um, sounding really stuffy, that would be why. So it's cute. It is the last week of October. Boo! I know. I know. This year has gone really fast. October's gone yeah. really fast. I usually try and like plan my Halloween outfits really early, mm-hmm. and this year I didn't. So I'm I'm gonna be a cat. Yeah. That's how, I made that's my where costume. I made my costume last year and didn't get to go to any parties. So I've had my costume for a whole year. Oi! I know. It was so nice. Yeah, you could just, like, roll over and have a costume. But then, of course, it always gets, like, closer and closer to Halloween, and I start watching, like, Halloween makeup tutorials. And And I'm like, like, oh, I'm going to do something different. I really want to be something fancy now. I mean, luckily, I still really love my costume. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I like mine, too. I think it's going to be cute. Picks to come. Yeah. So, um... This week, we are going to talk about women in cults and their involvement in cults. I had seen an article in The Guardian that was written in, like, 2014 by a woman named Jemima Thackeray, and it was interesting to me because she said that women make up 70% of worldwide cult participation. Right. But I actually couldn't find any stats that back that up. Yeah, I I think I might have read the same article, but I also read that women are more likely to attend religious services in general. Right, which I believe. So I wonder if there's something, 
if she's maybe pulling a number from that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because there are no actual... And she used, like, a picture of a cult leader in Brazil who, like, thought he was Jesus. Yes, and this was, is the article that I... Yeah, okay, and it was, yes. like, surrounded by... Um, by beautiful women. And I think yeah. that's kind of the idea of cults that we have. And she kind of said that it was because women are in general around the world less educated and also um, less empowered. And that's what I was reading is that women tend to be because we are used to being um, controlled by some sort of authority. Right. Like and a in lot of times, roles a lot. Right. We've been raised that, like, you listen to a man and things like that, and then these cult leaders become, like, loves of theirs. Right. I mean, so, it's actually very interesting in my research for this episode, given what we talked about last week. There are so many parallels between women who might find themselves in cults and women who might find themselves in domestic violence situations. Yeah, and a lot of times that they, they will go hand in hand. You know, you think that, you know, there's there's women out there who maybe grew up having, like, I feel like there's kind of two coins to this. So I feel like if I were to really generalize when I think of a woman in a cult, it's either, like, the girl who grew up with, like, a suburban home and, like, is looking for more, or it's, like, the girl who grew up with the alcoholic father, with the distant mother, with the family that wasn't very close, and so they're looking for some sort of parenting and connection, especially when it comes to young girls. Yeah. And so I feel, for me, if I were to, like, super generalize, that's kind of how I perceive it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that it is true that people who find themselves in cults are looking for something, right? They're seeking something. And very often, um, in some of the things that I read, they said that... It was oftentimes, like, women who were, maybe maybe they want, hold on, let me see if I can find my notes. So, cults tend to be communities that value cooperation and nurturance while expressing power and success. They appear to offer answers to how we cope with today's world. And that's from a psychotherapist named Shelley Rosen, uh-huh. who did an academic journal on um, cultic studies, which actually was really, really fascinating. And... Women, because of the rise in second-wave feminism, this was what she kind of talked about, um, they find themselves in a very conflicting role because yes. they've, they have very conflicting views on, like, power dynamics yes. because they find themselves in kind of powerful situations, especially in the 90s, which is when she wrote this um, academic study. But they um, have been raised with kind of very rigid ideas of uh-huh. femininity and feminine roles. And cults kind of offer a way for them to feel like they're being helpful because yes. oftentimes it has a very strong... Oh, and there's a lot of, like, political cults. There's right. a lot of things where it starts out with, like, having the best of intentions. Right, yeah, you go and in then it thinking... Turns sour. Yeah, thinking oftentimes they're communities, right? Like, so they go in thinking that they're going to be able to get this kind of, like, community or fellowship experience. Right. Um, while also maintaining that kind of, like, feminine role, quote-unquote, that you were talking about yeah. of not being responsible or like in control they can just be like you know what i like this guy's vision and i don't have to be it's still my own way of thinking right yeah Yeah, but i'm gonna let him make all of the big decisions for me should i go through a little bit of a list on why people join cults yes so the first one that i read was seductive recruitment process do you know who dr phillips and bardo is no wait i mean it sounds very familiar so he i took 
regular psychology and AP psychology in high school, and both of the teachers that I took from are obsessed with this guy, and he has, like, videos for everything to do with psychology. Uh So when I read Dr. Phillips and Barda, I was like, I know him. I know him. Um, I know him. Okay. So he says that there is no type of person who joins a cult. Many are well-educated, sensible, and logical. Anyone under the right conditions could be convinced to join a cult. Um, And then also it talked under this same little bracket, it talked about not blaming the victim of a cult or somebody who was Well, it's the same thing as domestic violence. Like, why don't they just leave? I don't understand. Exactly. So it is a seductive recruitment process. Look at how the founder managed to be so seductive that they recruited their followers in the first place. It's the same, again, it's the same thing like a domestic violence partner. They are not immediately abusive. Right. They have their tactics that they go through. And I'm sure we're going to be bringing up Charles Manson a lot, but it's one that I know a lot about. He spent his childhood in jail in prison basically and he started reading this book and i don't remember what it was called how to make friends make and friends. influence people yes. yes so he was taking this book and kind of what he learned in prison on ways to influence people yeah and kind of came up with this ideology and kind of knew what he had to be like and act like in order to uh recruit Attract people to him these people yeah. and that's something that bothers me a lot when i watch movies or TV shows with Charles Manson is that they play him super fucking crazy the whole time. Where, yeah, he was a lunatic. Like, he was a little off his rocker. Absolutely, but you don't come... It's it's the same thing that we talked about last week, where it's like, you don't come out the gate being like, hi, I'm a cult leader. Yeah. I'm insane. No, he was very, like, uh, very loving and acted like he, like, really cared about the best interest of all of these girls well, that he took Yeah, in. I mean, and... You look at one that I find to be really fascinating is uh, Jonestown. And you Mm -hmm. look at Jonestown and you look at somebody like Jim Jones. And to be honest, like, truly, honestly and truly, like, had I been around and, like, Jim Jones had come to my town in, like, when I was, like, 19 or whatever, I very, very, like, very likely could have joined the People's Temple because... His intentions, not only were his intentions good, his actions were very good at the beginning. At the beginning, you know, I mean, I don't even think that he was a bad guy in the beginning. I think that, like... I think it got to a point. It got out of control, and I think that that's kind of something that happens sometimes, where he was courting these, like, lower-class black communities. He had this rainbow family where he adopted kids of all races. Yeah. And it seemed very seductive. You were like... This is going to be. The, we're going to like make the world this beautiful community. Exactly, that accepts and everybody. And yeah, I would have totally been to, drawn to something like yeah. that. And then by the time you realize it's gone down, you're in Guyana with no passport. Yeah. So you know, I think we need Matilda to get out. Yeah, I can hear the ball. So yeah, kind of like what you were saying is that they all they often promise to solve an issue in society that no one else is offering a solution to and they are they're offering what they call absolute answers what is right what is wrong what is black what is white like it makes it very cut and dry where these people especially during certain times through history are really looking for something tangible and easy that they can grab onto for hope well and there's really no real difference. When I was doing my, my research for this, there's not a, a huge difference between 
cults and other religions in general. There really is I mean, especially if we're talking about cults that are not destructive. There are some cults that are not destructive. That's true. And those are essentially just religions. Uh-huh. Um, and then we, of course, tend to think of destructive cults like the Manson family yeah. or Jonestown. Jonestown or Heaven's Gate, etc. Yeah. Um, but the only difference that we have, I can't remember who said this, but they said that, like, Really, the difference is in our perception of the leader of the cult. Yeah. It changes our perception of the people who are in it. Yeah. Where we think of people who are in religions or in the church as being, like, moral people. We tend to think of people who are in cults as being, like, naive people, yeah. people who are, like, easily tricked. Or, or being destructive. Yeah, or, or cults in general something. of being destructive. Yeah. yeah. I, I also... Oh, sorry. You no, go. no, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to put up the next point, so oh, you have more to talk about. Um, no, I mean, the only other thing I had to say about that is, like, as far as why people dry, uh, may um, join cults, mm-hmm. the International Journal for Cultic Studies in February 2014 said that the propensity for individuals to be drawn to non-kin groups is hardwired. You have narcissistic cult leaders who are adept at creating these cohesive groups that become attractive to people who are most likely to join these non-kin groups. People like altruistic idealists and transcendent seekers. Yep. So, I mean, gen- in general, good people. Yeah. And our, I thought it was interesting that he said that our need to join non-kin groups is hardwired in us. Yeah. We need to have, have friends. We need to have community. Yeah, we need to have outside of just fellowship. When I think about what I miss about going to church, that's what I miss about that is like there is something really, really connective and special. Oh, and about knowing that you are with a group of people who feel who feel the same way. The about, same way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like having sharing a connection. Oh my God, Keegan, are we a cult? Maybe. Oh my God. Are Sorry, we guys. In a cult? You, you might be in a cult. You might right be now. in a cult. Um, we didn't mean to. I we, promise. We didn't mean to start a cult. Ugh, we'd be the worst cult leaders, actually. <laughs> the worst. We'd be like too lazy. We'd be like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, whatever. if you want to leave, that's fine. Um, <laughs> it's fine. Girl, I ain't going to keep you here. Please don't leave. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, like our need to not only have friends, but have uh-huh. something outside of that where like you're sharing a belief system yep. with other people is important. Well, yeah, and that's where, um, I mean, that kind of all goes into, but one of the other points was finding a purpose. And in times of uncertainty and confusion, absolute answers for extreme groups bring comfort. And um, cult leaders also motivate. Like, Hitler was very good at this. They brought He brought the Germans something that they were lacking and that they needed hope for. Uh, well, I mean, it kind of sounds like, and this might sound extreme to people, and I think we've had this conversation before, but it sounds like Trump. It's like yeah. you're giving oh, exactly. some you're giving people These who feel people disenfranchised. Yeah, and you're giving people who feel disenfranchised something that they can cling on to. Well, and you're also giving the people who maybe are threatened by minorities. Or change in general. Or change in general. And he's validating yeah. those thoughts and those feelings, which I think that Hitler did as well, because Germany was going through a time where they, depression. It was a depression, and they didn't feel any sort of, like, pride for their country. And then you have somebody coming in and saying, no, we are superior to everybody else. This is why. Right. This is what, you yeah. Know? I mean, actually, yeah. I mean, I'm not one of those people who's like, Trump is Hitler. Like, I don't feel like saying right. things like that. But I do think that there are similarities in the ways in which the they can rise to power. Because, yeah. yeah, Germany was coming out of this, they were coming out of this lull from the First World War and this loss and this economic depression. Yeah. And they had someone kind of swing in and be like, hey, like, 
I have answers I have, for you. I have answers. And it feels so good and easy. And then to also surround yourself by other people who are like you, which yes. is why people go to Trump's rallies, you know? Well, this is the thing. So my next point here is striving for perfection. It is a us versus them mentality, which creates isolation. So many people who have joined cults have rejected the religions forced upon them by their family. They believe there's something better out there. And the cult members are taught that they are superior to non-cult members. So if you look at, like, Scientology or things like that, yeah. you are given a a likeness to a group of people who is like you, who wants the same things that you want, and then you create this isolated us-versus-them mentality that you see all through history. Yeah. You know, when you when you look at Nazi Germany, when you look at the Manson family, when you look at all these different things, they all do a really good job at isolating by making people feel uh, special. Yeah, and I should say that most of what we're talking about today, obviously, is going to be talking about destructive cults. Yeah. yeah. No, we and are not. that is an attribute of destructive cults. It's yes. like they will isolate you, and they will also use tactics... Um, for lack of a better term, brainwashing tactics, yeah. uh, like depriving you of sleep or food. like food or, you know, in the Manson family, drugs, yeah. things like that to kind of weaken your defenses. I mean, he used sex a lot too. In like sex. he, it was, it was crazy. This one, I, I was kind of like, man, I don't really know why this is a point, but I'm going to bring it up anyways. It says post breakup blues. Okay. So it says, Dr. Andrea Stein points out that one common thread is that people are in transitional periods in their lives. So that makes more oh, sense to me. Oh, that does. So this person, I don't know if it was her, I can't remember, but her breakup with her boyfriend was a catalyst for her unwittingly joining a cult. She wanted to find a partner who shared her passion for social justice. And then also a lot of times when you're joining a cult where it's orchestrated by a man, that man takes over for almost like a romantic it, partner. Yeah, it fills that partner role yeah. for and, you. And you. And again, you feel like you found somebody who shares your same beliefs. Right. I mean, well, it's it, it makes sense, right? Like, if you don't have a religion, right? And as adults, I think we've talked about how difficult it is to make friends or yeah. find, you know, people to date because uh, that's why, you know, online dating or dating apps are so popular yeah. is because it's very difficult because outside of your current friend group or your job, you don't really have a lot of means to meet people as and an And you adult. can be more specific, too, when, when you're online. Like, when I was on Bumble for two days... Like, my whole thing was, like, I'm a fucking feminist. Don't fuck with me if you don't feel these same right, things. Right, right, right. Like, yeah, you can screen people easier. Yeah. But if you don't have those, like, if, if you don't want to do online dating or whatever, then it makes sense that you would maybe go to a church, right? To, like, yeah. if you want to find somebody who or has the same beliefs sort of as group. you. Yeah, like, yeah. if you want to find someone who has the same beliefs as you, you would go to a church if you don't, if you don't, if you're not religious, then yeah. maybe you would find another group. And yeah. this... And it can turn into it. Yeah, you don't know. You're not walking in being like, I'm ready to join the I cult mean, today. I mean, we know people who, like, you know, went into a situation just being like, I want to have this experience, then having it turn into being a cult. Do we? Oh. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, actually, I was in something that I'm, I believe is... Looking back, it, it has a lot, a lot of the markers of a cult, and it felt that way like, now. So, okay, I'll talk about it a little bit. So, whenever I was 
growing up, I would go to these things every like summer and spring. They would have these giant events, Christian events. They were like big concerts that had speakers. Mm -hmm. And you would go to these and you would all get together and you would get like really fired up about Jesus or whatever, right? And Um, my friends would go to church camp every summer and they would come back like, hi on Jesus. Yes. I mean, I would go to church camp, but then these were, these were kind of different. These were like weekend long conferences, right? And you would go with like your, um, youth group or whatever, and they started advertising because this organization also had, um, they would have things called the Honor Academy, which you would actually go and, like, intern at their compound. So, like, the Sea Org? Yeah, yeah, I mean, you would, it it was a compound in Texas, you would go and you would intern there, um, and they... You paid to be there to yeah. work for them. That's what you did. You you paid to be there to work for them. Yeah. And then they also had mission trips. And I will say, I went on a mission trip to Romania, and it was one of the best experiences of my life. It right. was fantastic. However, before you go to Romania, you have to go to Texas on the compound for a little while to do, like, How training. How old were you here? 18. Okay. Uh, so you do training, and then you go away to get, like, with, with your group to go to Romania or whatever. And I very... I very much considered joining the Honor Academy. A lot of the kids that I was with were in that the Honor sense. Academy. Yeah, it's something that your group is doing. But the a lot of the dynamics about the way this was run was very cultish. Yeah, as far as I mean, like everything that you're already saying. Yeah, I mean they had there was special terminology, which yep. is something that you see in cults. Like if you were caught even like holding hands with a boy, you had to hug side to side. Yeah. You can hug um a, you like know chest nuggers. to chest. <laughs> yeah, you, Christian hugs is what they call it. And yeah. if if you did, you could get BV'd. That's what they called. They called it bon, bon voyage, which they would send you <gasps> home from Romania, like send you back. My God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. It was super intense, and then you found out later there were exposés that were done about this organization, people yep. who were in the Honor Academy, um, because they were making them do, like, making the kids do these insane, like, obstacle courses, and, oh. like, depriving them of food, and, like, making them eat dog food, and then rolling them down hills oh and things gosh. like that. Yeah, it was it was really, really intense and scary. Wow. And then also, like... They would get punished if they didn't do enough work yeah. as interns, but they're paying to be there. So they're yeah. paying like a ton of money to be there to work. Like you're getting paid to have somebody right. work. Like for the you. guy who would call me and prepare me for my mission trip for like months before I went. Yeah, he was a member of the Otter Academy. He was like a couple of years older than me. You know, he yeah. wasn't a, a worker there. Yeah. So they were making all of this money and not paying most of the the staff. Yeah. At this place people who worked in the kitchens people who cleaned people who paid to be there right so they're making money and not paying anyone that's insane um so anyway, so wow. we got really off track, but yeah, no, I was, but I'm glad you shared that and that's i was going crazy. to join the honor academy and yeah, i remember because coming that makes home, sense i and we couldn't listen to secular music we it, everything was very 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 strict we i remember having to tell um a couple of because I was a leader because I was eighteen and so I had my own little group that I was in charge of. Yeah. On the mission trip, and I remember having to tell two of the girls that they had to stop wearing makeup because um, it, their vanity was <gasps> they were being too vain and like I can't they had even to stop. See you ever saying that? Right. They had to stop wearing makeup because it, mm-hmm. people were thinking that they were too vain, and also like they would tell us things like disobedience is um, a sign of the devil. Like you couldn't be disobedient; you had to obey. Like yeah, whatever. And all of that was very 
culty. Like, but you back feel, on it. but you feel a sense of community, connection, and community. Oh, it felt great support. while you were there. You don't oh, yeah. think about the things that you're losing. I could see how people could very easily fall into cults. It's very yeah. often educated people because yes. you you don't see it as deprivement. You see it as these are ways that I'm going to get closer to God. and Or this even is how as I'm... ways of, like, empowerment, too. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, these are things that I'm doing for myself I'm to make myself better. Yeah. to take control over my life. Yeah. Well, yeah. when we talk about my last point that I had written down here was low self-esteem, where they will do something called love bombing. Oh, where, yes. like, when you first join, it's like you're the shit like yeah. every the members the leaders everybody is like you are the best ever yes and you deserve to yes be. and you're special it's have like you ever seen the show the path on hulu yes okay i only watched the first like season and a half me too i was like where is this going i know it was, was it was very twisty and turny and i'm it like got really uh, i'm like wait are they now saying the cult is good i was like i it was, was confused yeah same, yeah so same. i stopped watching it but I, I feel like i should keep watching it but there there was like a girl in the first episode where like they find her like in a dump or whatever yes and then they like take her in and the leader is like kind of twistedly in love with this young girl and like they just shower her with love and affection and make her feel like she's so important and that she could be, like, the biggest thing to happen to this group. You know what I mean? And they give her a sense of, like, of place and of love. Yes. I mean, and, you know, sorry, I'm not going to keep talking about this, but now that I, I just got me thinking about no, that experience. No, please do. They... There is also an element of whenever I was with that group, they would tell you all the time that... People on the outside aren't going to understand because mm-hmm. because they're you're not of this world, right? Like they're they worldly. Love you like I love you. Right, exactly. Like yeah. they're going to love you better because whatever the world is offering you is like twisted and bad, and what yeah. they're offering you is like real, it's real true, love. pure love. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So once someone begins to question or doubt the organization, this love bombing turns into public humiliation and social isolation. And then there's this fear of losing your new friendships and intimate relationships. They stay quiet. Um, And then that when I was reading that, it it reminded me of Nexium. Uh huh. Yeah. A little bit where it's like. When somebody, so when you, if you guys don't know about Nexium, it's the Alex uh, Alex Mack. Is that her name? Um. Yeah, is I think Alex? so. I have notes on it's it Keith Raniere is yes, the leader of Nexium, and, and then, then there's an actress from Smallville who Ale- was like his second hand, essentially. Uh, Allison Mack. Allison Mack. Yeah. So it's it's actually if you look at it on Wikipedia, they say it's a multi level marketing company in Albany, New York, and they also say it's a pyramid scheme. It's very fascinating. I mean, I know that I cannot stop fucking talking about this goddamn podcast, but um, Behind the Bastards has like a three part episode. I know you were telling me about on, I really want to yes, listen to it. Yes, that's a good one. Some of the episodes are better than others, and right. the episode on Keith Raniere is fascinating. Yeah. Because he specific, if we're going to talk about women in cults, he very specifically targeted women. Well, yeah. I mean, this is the thing. So women were, the women who are part of this cult are part of a quote-unquote secret sisterhood. Yeah. Where they are referred to as slaves, branded with Rainier and Max initials, subject to corporal punishment by their, quote, masters, and have to provide nude photos and other potentially damaging info about themselves as collateral when they first join. They're like, it's kind of, it reminds me of Scientology, yes. too, with, like, the... the meters or whatever. Yes. So mm-hmm. it's like, you have to tell me all your secrets. You have to show me all of this, like, right. really awful yeah. stuff. Because then they have 
collateral, but they're they're they saying you if you we leave. want you to relinquish all of those things that like are impure or of your other life, right? To it's, join it's, this, I new mean, thing. it's genius. Like oh, yeah. as far as like a way for them to to get blackmail information on you while making you feel like you're purifying yourself, yeah, or that you're showing dedication, which is another um, hallmark of destructive cults. Yep. They will make you um, prove your dedication to the cult, and one way to do that is to be like you have to trust us enough to give us your naked photos or whatever yeah. you know yeah. so quick trigger warning because i want to just talk briefly about the branding in nexium oh horrifying. i'm not going to go into it too much because it could be we could go on about this yeah. cult forever but former member sarah edmondson says the women were blindfolded naked held down by mac and three other women and branded by nexium dr danielle roberts using and a cauterizing yeah pen. It, it was not it, it was a cauterizing pen so it's yeah. not like what you're thinking when you think of branding like yeah. one very quick very painful no, it is slow and they're drawing it it's yeah. like a tattoo too only but like but burning you and like they said that it took like 45 minutes for for you to be branded so you're in that kind of excruciating pain for oh i'm sure that you would just pass out after a while and you're blindfolded and you're naked like that's horrible yeah very vulnerable position did i ever tell you how i was kind of tried to be recruited into a cult you tried to no sorry okay somebody somebody tried to recruit me into a cult no tell me a woman that i used to work for was part of msia MSIA. It is the Movement of Spiritual Awareness. Oh, yeah. You did Do you remember tell me this? Do you remember yes. me mentioning this? Okay. So it started, and this, like, this doesn't have as much to do with women. It actually kind of has to do with, like, violence against men, which I think is interesting. But um, it started in California in June of 1971. It was founded by this guy, John Roger, who was formerly known as Roger Delano Hinkins. Um, and he and the other, who's the other guy? John Morton, who's the other one of the other like leaders, is known as the traveler. And so he would like he teaches active meditation, known as spiritual exercises, included chanting Sanskrit words. And their whole thing, and this is like when I was talking to my old boss about this, she had this way of putting it where it's like heaven or God isn't something that is far away. It's something that lives like within your heart. It's something and, that's in you and there's a light that's in there. And that spoke to me. Yes, because, it, me too. Like that, I could so easily be drawn into right? a cult, honestly. So, so they, like, because for me, that was something that was hard for me with with Catholicism is that it all seemed so scary and far away and judgmental and like yeah. no it's within Negative. me yes and oh she gave me a bunch of literature like i got books at home like all this stuff and like, just see gave me a i bunch think of stuff. that that is so i think that people who are spiritual people again who are altruistic or in- enlightenment seeking and i think that both of us are those things yeah. we're not necessarily religious but we are spiritual and we believe in, you know, connectiveness sort of, and, yeah. and spirituality. It would be so easy to be drawn oh, into Oh, so a easy. I get it. So they offer students a 12-year study support subscription, which helps students connect inwardly to their own divinity. So that's what it is. You're connecting to, like, what's inside of you, your own divinity. So... This John Roger guy has been accused of financial improprieties and sexual misconduct against young male staffers, brainwashing, intimidation, and plagiarism. Um, So he told everyone that he was psychic, that he had ESP. Mm -hmm. But he really... So in the Santa Monica headquarters, he would, like, put recording devices everywhere, and he would listen in on everybody's conversations, and then he would come in and, like, say what you were just saying. Interesting. To, like prove that he had ESP. Um, yeah, I find 
I find that really interesting, too, that I think that's a feature that a lot of cults share as well, that there is some kind of supernatural divinity to the cult leader, and they will do things like that to kind of prove their divinity. And also that there is a, a lot of cults and a lot of cult leaders that are sexually exploitative. Well, this is the thing. So... Susan Wendell Whitmore, who left after several male staff members confessed that Hankins had used spiritual threats and promises to coerce them into having sex with him. So the students, he would have, like, all these guys, like, living at his house, staying at his house, like, these young, very attractive men. But John Rogers said that he was celibate. Mm. So mm -hmm. nobody thought it was weird. Yeah, he had all these guys living Another there. Another aspect and they of didn't... cult leaders, they oftentimes say that they're celibate. And they're not. Yeah. And so the and then the men didn't feel like they were in danger either because they were like, this is a holy man who's not going to take advantage of me. And then also I feel like when it comes to two men, that's not something that people will automatically think of as being a danger. Men don't have that same mentality, I feel like, as women do, where you're like, oh, fuck, I'm alone, and right. I, need to, be, I yes. need to be on Those my Those guard. guards are not um, in place. Yeah, it's you and another guy. You're like, what's going to happen? Yeah. And, he's this, and he's this man who knows things about me that I've never even said to him. These and he's are... given me no reason to really believe that he's a danger to me. Exactly. Um, it, does your boss still... I believe so. Mm, interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. Oh, yeah. She would, like, give her kids Your former boss, books. I guess. My yeah. former boss. Yeah. Not my not my current. Yeah. But, like, there's, like, kids' books for it and workbooks and flashcards for That's her interesting. children. Like, infant children. That's scary. It's really scary. I mean, I don't think... So, he's dead now. John Roger is dead. Mm-hmm. And that was, like, her father. Oh god. She like she felt like she had, like lost. Did he her die father. recently? He died less than ten years ago. Interesting. I don't remember exactly when. But um yeah, it's just it's not one it's it is kind of like a celebrity cult kind of thing. Um there's not it's not like a hugely widely known thing, I don't think, anymore. Um, but I just found that interesting because I had never heard of it and then all Me of a neither. sudden I was like I I was asking her, I was like, what is this thing called again? Like, what is this? And she told me, and so, like, I just went on Wikipedia, and I was like, Do you want to talk a little bit about why people might stay in cults? Yes. Outside of um, the kind of things that we've already talked about. Sure. Um, But when cults start to go sour, so that... that, journal that I was talking about earlier. It's called Gender Attributes That Affect Women's Attraction to and Involvement in Cults, and it's by Shelley Rosen, and it's this academic journal. Mm -hmm. And she talks about this thing that I found really fascinating, and I read this whole section of her journal because it's very long. I didn't read the whole thing, but I read this entire section because I found it so interesting. It's called um, Semiotic Incompetence. Okay. And what it is is... um, our inability to read cues because we don't we don't have those emotions ourselves like there's a certain element of like narcissism in us that we expect other people to act the way that we act right um and it's very common in women specifically that i feel like that would be common in a way where i feel like when somebody isn't reacting to a situation the same way that I would with empathy or something Correct. like that. Where you're like, wait, I don't understand why you're not as upset about yes, this Yes, yeah, that's that's part of it. And, yeah. like, another part of it is, um, for instance, like, 
you, if you were brought up in a family that is very, like, honest and straightforward, you... You don't expect people to be... Dishonest. Yeah. So she related it to, like, a woman who found herself, if you've ever read or listened to the podcast Dirty John, for instance, like, a woman who found herself in a relationship with somebody who was, like, lying to her, was, like, she had waited to be in a relationship with anyone because she was very successful, Uh and she found herself in a relationship with a guy who... Um, she was like, oh, this guy's really successful. He loves me. He showers me with attention. Yeah. And so she, and got, she was not expecting him to be Right. She got married dishonest. to him right away. And then he ended up being, not having a job, you know. Yeah. And she was confused. And she was kind of confused into being, like, paralyzed. Yeah. Into inaction. Yeah. And she couldn't understand why she felt that way. Right. And it was because she had, like, semiotic incompetence, which, it, incompetence in that, it's like ignorance of not understanding yeah. why other people are reacting this way. So yeah. you believe your cult leader and you get it's kind of also that um I might be using this wrong, but the um sunken loss fallacy or whatever that is, like when you're so far into something that you have to kind of commit to that it. That you double down yeah. because you're like you're like even if you know it's wrong and you're yeah. starting to see that it's wrong, the combination of this like semiotic incompetence and then also that that sunk loss well, fallacy. Well, and some of the fallacy. coercion and everything that yeah. the things that we talked about where it's like you can't leave. Yeah, you you can't leave. You don't understand, you're confused because you still want to believe that people are like you and that you wouldn't be dishonest or treat people this way. See, for me, like, I have, like, a very trusting personality where I will share very intimate things with people right away. I'm very much an open book. So for me, I've been told by, like, like my ex used to always be, like, you, like, need to be careful, like, who you tell things to. And, like, I never tell people things that are gonna, like, be detrimental to me or anything like that like I've always felt very comfortable with the parts of my life that I share like I do on this podcast but I do know that I tend to have an over trusting well because uh, tendency you don't, because I, I like to see the best in people and right. I like to give people the opportunity to the benefit show of the me. doubt too you know what I mean like you want to believe that like people are generally good yeah and like I, I mean if you show me that you're not good like bye yeah that's, but. <laughs> it's, it's different but it's also like if you show me that you're good you're good you're good I have this automatic belief, as do you, that you, you get are good. And then further and further. And then further. you start showing me that you're lying to me. It might be hard. You have that, like, disconnect, that yeah. semiotic incompetence of not being able to understand what's happening. Because it's such a shift. Yeah. Like, because you're. So basically, you're saying don't trust anybody. <laughs> or, I mean, just go in. With the understanding that not everyone is like you, and yeah. not and just because you are good and you wouldn't do this to someone, which is hard to grasp. It's yeah. difficult to grasp, like even someone that you think is good, right? You're like they may not react to this the situation same way that the I way would. that you would react to it, and when they show that to you, you need to accept that rather yeah. than fight it, right? Or because they they were saying how this plays into once people are in cults this feeling of like despondency or depression is because it's it's a result of the confusion of this not feels understanding. Like, this like just reminds me of like being in a bad relationship. Yeah, it's very very similar. Where it's like you have this idea of you have who this person told you they want to be. 
you have this like this whole idea you have like a good relationship but then all of a sudden it's like nothing's happening nothing's happening nothing's happening or things are getting worse and things mm-hmm. but you're so far into it that you're like i can't Sunk loss yeah i can't do anything about it i just have to keep lifting this person up or like right different things like yes. that where or, it becomes about you rather mm-hmm. than the situation or the other person yeah it, i mean it's very much that way it's very much that way you you don't want to believe that you were wrong too you know what yeah, i mean or like, you don't want to believe that this person that you love or this group that you love is actually what they're showing. Yeah. So you make up excuses and lies and defend. Or you, I mean, it's so similar to like an abusive relationship because you focus on the good things. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the People's Temple, Jim Jones, you can watch interviews with the people who got out. Mm-hmm. And that was 900 people who died. Yeah. You know, and like, you can watch interviews with the people who got out and they'll tell you, like, up until the end, even, they're like, you know, we were still doing good things. Like, yeah. it was still really beautiful. Like, this this idea that we had was so beautiful. Well, that's, yeah, that's the thing is that, and you can't take that away from somebody. And I think people could watch that and be like, what the fuck? Like, what, how could you possibly feel that way after the brutal murder of 900 people? Right. But at the same time, that wasn't their reality. And if they were really doing good things, like, I wouldn't try to take that well, away I from mean, somebody. Well, I mean, they recognize the negative aspects of, of it, too. But I think but it's just like, like... look, there was something like this is something that right. I really believe. Yeah, in. I think that there's some. It is so similar to an abusive relationship in that you will always think of those good times, and you of will course. always think of those good attributes that you person have had. to. It, like it's just one of those things that you cannot just be pessimistic about everything and the decisions that you've made in your life because if you look back on every bad choice you've ever made, right. you'd never get out of bed. Yeah, I just think we need to really remember that people tend to think of cult members as being um, weak, yeah, and like weak willed. Um, Which and that there are some, but there's course. also a lot of very well-educated people who a ton, join. A ton. In I mean, fact, look, it's very common. Look at Scientology. Yeah. If we're just going to take a quick gander. So I drive My girl by, Elizabeth Moss, who I know, I girl. I know. Um, I drive, I drive by, by it every me day. Me too. Well, it's funny because I live where you work. Oh, yeah, that's and funny. And you pretty much live where I work. So we pass, there's a... Do there's you take Burbank Boulevard Burbank every day? to work Same. every day. Same. So there's a and, new Scientology building in the Valley, for those of you who don't live in, in North LA. In um, In North Hollywood, by my old apartment. Yeah, and really close. Really close to my old apartment. And it's big, and there are billboards, like... Take um, you think everything you've heard about Scientology is interesting? Wait till you see what's inside. Something like that. Yeah, so it's and very... they were like, they were like open house. Come yeah, in. and I'm like, I'm not going in there. Oh, and there's huge windows, and like, you can see into it. And they they set it up in a part of town where I feel like they're. It's kind of a lower income part. Of, I was going to say North Hollywood. That's an area where I feel like there's you see a lot of you know, barefoot, bare-chested people walking around at Right, night. and they and they did a big billboard when they first put that um, building up where they were like, open house, yeah. free food, like free cookies and like oh, um, refreshments and things course. like that. If and I so was, you're going to draw in people. If I was down on my luck, yeah, I go. would most definitely do that yeah. because you do what you need to do to survive. Yeah. But then you think of it like Scientology and they ask for so much fucking money and then yeah. you're like, oh, I'm homeless, what do you want from me? But a lot of these people who are part of Scientology, a lot of people like if you look at Leah Remini and I believe Elizabeth Moss too like I think they were both born into it I yes, know Leah they were. Remini well, was yeah Leah Remini's mom joined when she was very small yeah. and Elizabeth Moss was born into it yeah so it's one of those things where it's it's what you know like yeah. there's nothing besides that and then you like and then what was I just trying to say oh I'm sorry we were talking about how we tend to think of uh, people oh, as weak oh of them as being like uneducated or weak willed where 
you look at, you know, Scientology is such a, it's such, it's so perceived as such a celebrity cult Mm -hmm. where it's like, these are people who are very good at their craft, who can be very smart and who want to offer something to the world. And then also Scientology is offering you all of these things. So especially if you're moving to LA and you're like, oh, I don't really have the ins with people. I don't know any of these people. By joining a group like that, even if you know this might be a bad idea, you do it. Because yeah. you're like, this would be a, an opportunity for me to get it's not further opportunity. in my career. It's community. It's... Well, and they almost kind of treat some of the... Um, I keep forgetting what they're called. The, the bars they hold. E-meters. Like, the e-meters. Like, it's almost like like some of the things that, they, that Leah Remini talked about in her documentary almost remind me of like acting class where you just kind of like unload things and you start getting connected to yourself and feeling things where it's like I can see why Scientology would be so enticing to an actor yeah it's I I see it too but also like I don't know that's one of the ones where I'm like yeah I'm like people's temple definitely would have joined that Scientology I wouldn't join that but also we know so much more about it now like I just listened to again the most recent three-parter of Behind the Bastards is on L. Ron Hubbard. It's not the best yeah. one of his of his episodes, but because I know so much about, like, yeah. how this shit started, I'm yeah. like, fucking no way. But Scientology is a perfect example of, yes, it's bananas, bonkers, insane. Like, what, what they're trying to feed you, but it's a perfect example of the ways in which we look at the the differences between religion and cults and why we think of one as a cult and another one as a religion. Granted that a lot of, you know, religions are not super destructive. It can be argued. It can be argued. um, And a lot that we know about Scientology is destructive. But the general premise of us being like, they believe in fucking aliens and all well, this shit is crazy. Well, but also they crazy. don't bring up the aliens right away. Right, but like... Gotta earn like, it. Gotta like, earn the aliens. That's crazy that they believe yeah. the, these things are true or that there's like thetans in your body or like whatever. But then but you look at the aspects... They're built up to it. Well, I mean, and but you look at the aspects of a lot of other religions and I'm like, yeah, but like, we believe that a virgin had a baby and oh, like yeah and that we're actually eating the body and blood of Christ. Yeah. Right? So I'm like, we believe crazy shit too, but I mean, we have different perspectives on on is, one or the other. This is for me where if I were to look at the religion in which I grew up in and Scientology, I have I know I've discussed this before. I have a hard time with religion in general because it all seems culty to me. Don't like it, don't like chanting, don't like it when everyone's talking together. I don't know. There's something about it that I'm like, I need to get out. Yeah, I understand. Like, I get panic attacks going into churches. I can't, I can't handle it. Like, I just... See, that's how I know I join a cult, because I'm like, I kind of like it. It's kind of no, comforting just, to me. The singing part I always really loved, but there's something about, like, when you're, they're all singing uh, the Apostles' Creed. Like, we Together. believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. All that is seen is un- and unseen. Like I always stuff. looked at, as someone who's a, a Protestant, I always looked at Catholicism as kind of culty. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. So, but for me, if I were to look at it as the difference between Catholicism and Scientology. Catholicism, we've got a book called the Bible, if you've never heard of it. Ever heard of it? Ever the heard Bible. of it? The fucking Bible. <laughs> so, it's been the same book forever. I mean, there's different interpretations, and we learn about it, and we try to, like, you know, evolve whatever, kind of. We add on um, to it Mormonism, things yeah. like that. So, there's, there's one book. They're not saying, so in Scientology, it's like, you have to buy this collection of books. Right. You read all the books, you study, you do the thing, you start moving up the levels, and they go, oh, actually, we just found out this whole new thing. You gotta buy this whole new set of books. They're like, wanna see the secret book? Yeah, and then they're like, we're gonna send you back to level one, you gotta do all this shit again, spend another, like, 
$50,000 on these fucking books. And then, yeah, man. and then it's like, as soon as you start, it's like, oh, I'm almost there, almost there. Oh, like, I never felt that way. There, oh, with, I never. With Catholicism, me neither. I'm like, I need to know, I need to get to a level or no more or things like that. Me neither. And there's still a lot of things like I was talking to my friend the other day about, um, but the beliefs is what I mean. It's like yeah, the beliefs are still, I still we have really a tendency love, to be like, I have an admiration for saints. Like, mm-hmm. I just really love of the course. stories of saints. And um, my patron saint for confirmation, so when you're Catholic, you typically will choose, like, a confirmation name, and that is kind of your name that you would go by in the church. It kind of becomes, like, a second middle name to a lot of people. And you usually would find somebody, a lot of people, it's like, if your name is a saint name. Yeah, I think Anthony's is St. Anthony. Yeah, yeah, so, which is one of my mom's favorite saints, because my, she loses shit all yes, the time. Yes, my, my um, Anthony's mom always will say, if we can't find something, she's like, pray to St. Anthony to yep. find your remote or whatever. I still think that. I that's still so think funny. that all the time. Oh, yeah, that's my mom's thing. So, I chose this woman named St. Philomena. And she is the patron of the small but the strong. So she was asked to marry this, like, king or something like that. And she was like, no, I don't want to. I'm in love with God. I want to be married to God. And she's, like, 12 or 13 or something. Very, very young. Too young to get married. What the fuck? Very. To, like, a fucking king? Like, no. So. (laughs) Creepy. They're like, well, then we're going to kill you. So I don't remember the whole, like, sequence of events. But, like, (laughs) basically. So one time they tried to, shoot like, shoot her with bow and arrows. They turned into carrots. They tried to shoot her again. The arrows turned around and killed the people that shot her. They tried to sink her in the ocean. They attached her to an anchor. Angels came She's down a witch. and cut it. Pretty much, right? And then they tried to burn her, and it, like, did, did nothing. So and they, they really wanted to kill her. I would have given up after, like, the right? second try. Well, I think they were getting so, like, pissed off. Like, why can't you die? So then I think they eventually beheaded her. But she was just, she had these, for me, for her, she had these convictions that were so strong and powerful where I don't feel that way about God or religion or anything like that but I do have my convictions and I think that that is an example for people of course forward. like I, I feel the same way um you know about like my mom you know like we don't agree politically on yeah. a lot of things but I appreciate her integrity exactly I, I appreciate that in people um but yeah kind of taking it back to cults I just find it interesting that like our the way yes of course like with Scientology it's like if anyone's, it, it's exactly what they tell you as an actor, right? If an agent is asking for money up front, it's yeah. probably not for real. And yeah. like that's the same thing with these religious groups. If they're asking you for tons of money up front, probably a good idea to walk away. Yeah. But just, I do do find it fascinating the way that we the differences in how we look at religious people and cult members because we do see cult members in a very very negative light. Yeah, when in reality, people are very pious, and they're they're just people like you and me. Like they're people who are seeking something better. And yeah. aren't we all seeking something better? Like yeah. we're all trying to do something. Christina told me recently, and it stuck in my head. She we were talking, and she said like what. There's a quote that's like, what are you going to do with your one wild and wonderful life, right? And we look at... We, so we see it, and it's a like big task. It's a huge, it's a huge feat to want to do something great and grand. Yeah, and it might feel easier. So if you're given something that you that is tangible that you can see, this right. is something that I can do that is going to be great. And by the time you're you'll take it. By the time it turns, you're so I mean, far into it and dedicated to look it. Look at our like culture of 
like the inspirational quotes that you buy for your oh, house of course. or on Facebook with the minions it's a, telling you It's a you culture to do of affirmation, best. right? Yeah, like, and it, it really is like everybody is very focused on making sure that their life is the best life they can live, which you should be. You should be working to, toward being your best self and living the life that you want to live. But at the same time, a lot of those things are the same kind of things that are being brought into a lot of these religious and cult groups. Yeah, you know? so I guess this is a good time, and we've already touched on it a little bit, but you know, if you're like me or like Madigan and could maybe easily accidentally find yourself in a cult group, yeah. um, here are the things to look for. There are a few things that you can look for in a Tell destructive me, cult group. And um, again, we've touched on these already, but isolation. Yes. Anyone who is trying to isolate you from friends and family, a very a huge hallmark, again, something that I experienced, another friend of ours who experienced a, a kind of cultic experience, um, in both of those instances, they will tell you that you are different and yeah. better than the outside world and people on the outside don't understand. Yep. They will try and... Um, deprive you of things. If you're in a cult, a destructive cult, and they try to micromanage what you eat, how you eat, how you dress, um, these things, a lot of the same hallmarks of a abusive Abusive relationship. relationship. Um, so all of these things are things to look out for. If you're in a group and you start seeing these things kind of happening, these like thought mentalities, us versus them mentalities, it might be a good idea to kind of get some perspective. It might be yeah. a good idea to not limit your only interactions with people, uh, to people within the group. Even if you have friends within the group, call your friend who's not in the group and go talk I to mean, them. That's hard though, because I know like in Scientology, it's like they fucking track all your computer shit. Like it's that you don't have as Right. Much well, freedom. there's another sign. <laughs> Yeah, for real. If they're trying to track your shit, But if you're trying to look into why this wouldn't be good, like, you're not really given the opportunities to, like, research what what you're really a part of, you know? Right. I mean, but that's that's the thing. It's like, don't let go of all of your interactions with people outside of whatever group that you're in. Because it will help Yeah, and if somebody's trying to tell you that, like, you can't speak to your mother because she's not part of the group or your friend like if they're just like yeah you can't you can't see madigan anymore because she's not in your in your friend group yeah that's you shouldn't just easily give in and say oh okay like i understand like i'm better than madigan because i'm in this group but if somebody's making you feel really special no i understand how you could fall into it it's just things to look out for be aware of just kind of go in with your eyes open like i've said multiple times throughout this podcast i could very easily fall into a call i get it i were if i were in California in the 60s, would I have been a Manson girl? Well, Manson was super racist. So I. That's true. <laughs> but he. It, God, his whole theories are like fucking crazy, though. But at the same time, he wasn't like. He was super racist. It but took it him a while to come show, out with the racism. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. He didn't show that side. He very much was all about like love and acceptance and happiness and living a very like pure, simple life and like getting rid yeah, of those all things. Yeah, like good things. I make jokes with my friends all the time. Like we joked recently, like if we won the Mega Millions, we'd go buy a plot of land and like all buy houses. Yeah. And like, because that yeah. sounds fucking great. That sounds amazing. And so if somebody sold me that idea, I'd be like, yeah, that sounds fantastic. And just to be with your friends all the time yeah. and live this simple life where you're sick. But then one day, one of our friends is like, hey, how about we believe this thing? And then I'm like, all right. And, right. Then, like, <laughs> and then they're like, should we go over to Sharon Tate's house? And you're like, I guess I have to do this now. I guess so. 
And so I'm dressing as a Manson girl tonight. <laughs> yeah, for Halloween. For Halloween. I'm Fantastic. So, um, so we know that this was a very chatty episode. We hope it you was. guys liked it, but we liked talking we're about it. We're chatty gals. We're, we're chatty gals. Listen, it's morning also makes us more chatty in general because we're not like super tired. <laughs> that coffee like did me did me some good. I, I needed it to get over my hangover. I actually feel pretty good right now. Yeah. So um I feel good too. I would love to take a nap before work, but I don't think it's gonna happen. I have to record another podcast as soon as you leave. Gotta so fucking do it. <laughs> get up. it in, get it in, get it in. Um well we hope that you enjoyed this kind of like chattier episode just talking about cults. It was something that we found really fascinating. I yeah. liked doing the reading. There's so many like more specific cults that we could talk Absolutely. about that we could go on forever but um and we know we hit upon some of the same uh topics over and over again but driving it home yeah just driving we are a cult we are brainwashing (laughs) you right now we're just gonna isolate that one sound clip (laughs) (laughs) use it over and over again (laughs) just out of context like yeah just like years later like something's gonna happen to one of us and then they're just gonna play be like, oh no no no, no. <laughs> uh that that was an, about an episode about cults we're not actually a cult and they're like a likely story likely um, then why they say it well if oh you have gosh. a favorite cult that you would like us to uh oh, talk about segues I or like it. if we got uh anything wrong which i mean we always say it that happens. it happens guys so, we're not experts if we got something wrong or you'd like to contribute to the conversation in any way feel free to email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com you can find us on instagram we have a lot of fun there um and that's at angry neighborhood feminist on instagram you can find us on facebook we have a group and a business page you can also find us on our very inactive twitter which people keep following us on twitter and god bless y'all because i never update that thing no i'm going to try and be better about it but our twitter is yamf podcast y-a-n-f podcast um also if y'all are interested and you're not following us on instagram i am posting i've missed a couple days but i am posting a feminist halloween costume a day up until the day of halloween with awesome feminist costume ideas and what i think are quirky captions um, I'm having fun doing it. I have my Rosie Riveter costume. I should send that to you. I wore. I was Rosie the Riveter a couple couple times. Yeah, because that's life. an easy one, um, and also a very good feminist costume. Yeah, I was thinking about doing that one closer to Halloween, and then I've got a couple really great freaky ones that I'm going to put close fun. to Halloween. Fun, fun, it's going to be good. So, you guys, you've been really awesome on rating and reviewing us. We've gotten a couple more this week. Uh, It really, really does mean a lot to us. I know we say this every week, so we probably sound like a broken record. But thank you so much to all of you who have done it. If you haven't, please, please, please do it. It really does um, help us out so much, and it means so much to us. And we do feature a new review every um, Every Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah, so thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody. Uh, Tell your mom, tell your friends, give us a listen. And I guess with that being said, we encourage you to to rage on. on. Bye-bye. Hey, Jenny, have you um, ever heard of a vampire slayer? Do you mean the one girl in all the world with the strength and skill to fight the vampires, demons, and forces of darkness? I do. Oh, yeah, I've heard of her. Cool. My name is Jenny Owen Youngs. And I'm Kristen Russo. And together, we spent six years watching every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one at a time, podcasting about each and every one. Never seen Buffy before? We will protect you. Our podcast is spoiler-free, so first-time viewers can listen along safely. 
Ever thought to yourself, I wish someone was brave enough to write an original song for every single episode of Buffy? <laughs> Your search is at an end, my friend, because we did exactly that. So if you've never watched Buffy or if you're about to watch the series for the 14th time, come over and join us. Our podcast is called Buffering the Vampire Slayer, and you can learn more about it at BufferingCast.com. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.